Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We are currently in the series, Flaw Faith, a delightful series on how not to be. We hope it's a blessing. Blah Faith. We started this series last week, and here is what we have been saying about it. It's a delightful series on how not to be. In other words, we don't want to have blah faith. And a blah faith can be symbolized by something that is boring or something that lacks meaningful content. And we don't want to have that kind of faith as we follow after Christ. We don't want to have blah faith. Let's not forget, there is beauty, joy, and danger in following Jesus. I really believe that. There is adventure there. So following Jesus is anything but blah. It shouldn't be boring. And it does not lack in meaningful content. Last week I said this, if you want to have blah faith, never retell the stories of God's provision. Don't do that. Don't reshare how God has provided in the past. And we looked into Psalm 78, where we discovered that I have a responsibility. And you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to help the next generation set their hope anew on God. So we have a responsibility to help them with that. And I believe the greatest way we can help the next generation with their faith The greatest way we can help them set their hope anew on God is when we retell the stories of God's provision. And when that happens, our faith is strengthened, their hope is set on God, and faith is anything but blah. That was last week. I want you to take your Bibles out and to get your notes from the talk section ready. Let's think today, okay? Here's our big idea. If you want to have blah faith, do this. Pray less. Or don't pray at all. But if you're filling in the blanks, it's pray less. If you want to have blah faith, pray less. We took time about four weeks ago to walk through the Lord's Prayer. And we had a wonderful time together just discovering what is found within that model prayer. And what we discussed is that it's okay to repeat the Lord's Prayer, and we did that on that Sunday, and we'll continue to do that into the future. But really, what we discover in the Lord's Prayer is a model for how to pray. Here's what you say, and here's the order that you put that in, in order to give God glory, and then also step into the presence of God and tell Him what we need. That's what we find within the Lord's Prayer. I had so many great discussions with you, and you gave great feedback on that day, which helps me to know you're thinking about this spiritual discipline called prayer. And what is it? And how do you actually pray? Because let's be honest, prayer is kind of a strange thing. You're having a conversation with somebody, with God, and it's just different. It's somewhat unique. And so today, I want to dive into this a little bit more. Before we get into our scripture and our content, though, I have a quick story for you. 
When I started going to college, I had a Bible class with a small group of individuals. One of the individuals in this particular class was in his mid-40s. The rest of us were 18, 19, 20. So the guy in his mid-40s was really old. He was quite up there in age in comparison to the rest of us. So I was 19 at the time, and I'm in college. I'm away from home for the first time. I'm loving life and meeting people at this new college, and I love meeting people. So I was just in my element bouncing around saying, hiya, I'm Eric, how are you? Right, like that's me, that, that's what I do. Well, the guy in his mid-40s wanted nothing to do with that at all. He was not interested in me and my bouncing or talking to me. He was very focused and very serious. And so I recognized right away, I'm gonna have to cool it a bit around this guy whose name was Ron. Well, during the class, I got to know Ron a little bit more. And he was actually a great guy and became a friend. But in the early days, I wasn't sure what to do with Ron. Well, it wasn't unusual in our Bible classes for the day to begin or the class to begin with someone leading out in prayer. And often that was done by a student. And one day, Ron volunteered to lead in prayer. Ron was a big guy. He had a deep, booming voice. And he was very articulate with his words. And so I'm like, oh, this, this could be really fun here. I wonder what this is going to sound like. So I was really interested in listening to Ron pray. Big guy, deep voice, articulate. And so everybody's got their heads bowed. It's a very serious moment in the class. And Ron begins to pray. And it sounded something like this. Our dear Lord and gracious heavenly loving Father... And then he went on and on with this deep, booming voice with all of these amazing words that I had never heard somebody pray like that before. And I remember looking up because it was amazing to me. So everybody else is still praying. They've got their heads bowed. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like the kingdom of God is in the room right now because Ron is praying. And I recall thinking, God, he's going to hear that prayer. God's going to like that prayer, and God's probably going to answer that prayer because it was Ron, an older man. He was a big guy, had this deep, booming voice, and all of these amazing words that he could put together. And I'm like, oh boy, God is going to hear that prayer because Ron, Ron knows how to pray. Now, I don't know how to pray because I don't have a deep, booming voice, and I wasn't very articulate at age 19. Who is? But Ron was incredible, and I'm like, that, that's prayer. That's prayer. And God's going to like that. Well, here's the deal. Prayer is so much more than a deep voice and articulate words. And I think sometimes we get lost in that, that this is what prayer is, and wow, that's amazing. But that's really not what prayer is. That's not how you define it. Prayer is stepping into the presence of the Almighty. And it doesn't matter what my voice may sound like. And it doesn't matter how messed up my words may be. Prayer is stepping into the presence of the Almighty and in imperfect ways. We give glory to God and then we tell him what we need. 
That is prayer. And when we begin to think that way, and when we begin to pray that way, I'm stepping into the presence of the Almighty. This is my opportunity. This is my chance to do this. He's going to listen to me, to little old me. And I'm going to give him credit. I'm going to give him glory. Hallowed is his name. And then I'm going to tell God what I need. When we begin to pray in this way, faith is not blah. It's not. It becomes living and dynamic because I'm communicating with the Almighty who wants to hear from me without that deep voice and in imperfect ways. That's okay. If you have a Bible, I want you to find Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to read one verse in just a moment, and then we'll come back during our takeaway time, and I have a few other verses at the end of chapter 4 that I want to read to you. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians is a book in the New Testament. So if you find Matthew and begin turning to the right, eventually you'll bump into the book of Acts, which is a history book. After Acts comes Romans. And then after Romans, there is a series of letters to churches, to individuals written by a guy named Paul. One of those letters is Colossians. So if you keep turning to the right, eventually you'll find that. And then chapter 4. Now, here's what you need to know about Colossians. Paul wrote this book to a church in the city of Colossae. And throughout the book, throughout these different chapters, Paul is saying to the church, it is time for you to grow up in Christ. Like, I want you to mature a little bit in your friendship with God. This is important. This is valuable. You grow up a little bit, church in Colossae. So we can adopt these words as well. And one of the things that he says to them about how to do that is Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Here it is. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Okay, church, mature, grow up a little bit. Here's how you do that. Devote, give yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Let's all say this together. Ready? Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Again, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. I would encourage all of us to memorize this verse. It's only 12 words, so I think you can do it. I believe these are very powerful words that have the ability to change our lives when it comes to this whole thing called prayer. And if we indeed devote ourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart, wow, our faith will not be blah. It won't. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to walk through a word study on this particular verse. Word studies are fun, aren't they? Yay for word studies. Well, I love them and we're going to walk through this here on Sunday morning because it gives a little more meaning to what this verse actually says. You have to remember when studying the Bible, it was not written in English, okay? This particular passage was written in Greek and so you got to go back and kind of look into these words and what do they mean because it gives a richer perspective to our understanding of the text. So let's do a little word study. The word devote, it means to attend constantly, continually devoting. Not just once, but constantly 
devoting yourselves to prayer with an alert mind. That whole phrase there means stay awake, which is sometimes hard to do when we're praying, right? That can be hard. Our eyes are closed, but hey, continually devote yourself to staying awake, to keeping watch, to being alert, to being vigilant with this. Oh, and add to that a thankful heart. By the way, that word thankful, we've talked about this before. It's the word eucharistio, to give thanks. Gratitude, a giving of thanks. So devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. We could paraphrase that to say, attend constantly to prayer with an alert mind and a grateful heart. In other words, this is what we should be doing as we approach prayer. Again, I understand we're all in a different place with this in terms of how often we pray, when and where we do that. But let's just think collectively as we pray, whatever that looks like for you today, right now, attend constantly to prayer with an alert mind and a grateful heart. Now, here's the deal. I think most of us know that. That's not new information. That's not a shock to anybody here. Like, oh, I, I didn't know I should be giving attention to prayer. I didn't know that. Even if you don't believe in God, you would probably say, if you follow God and his ways, yeah, you should probably pray. You should be doing that. But I don't think we're that good at this. I don't. And the reason I say I don't think we're that good at this is because I know I'm not good at this. Prayer is a growth area for me. Are we attending constantly to prayer with an alert mind and a grateful heart? I think this is a great question. It's a great question for all of us to consider. And I guess the next question becomes, well, why don't we pray a little bit more? Why don't we? Why don't we take advantage of this great tool that has been given to us where we can step into the presence of the Almighty and give Him praise and tell Him what we need. It's really not that difficult. So why don't we, and I'm asking myself this question, why don't I pray a little bit more? These questions began to bother me throughout the week, and so I came up with a list of reasons why maybe we don't pray a little bit more. So let's look at this. Too busy. Too busy to pray. Or... I don't have a need that demands God's attention. You know, maybe life's okay. Life's not bad, so, I, you know, I, it's not really a need there. Or maybe it's the opposite. I have way too many needs, and God probably has more pressing demands for his time. Sometimes we assume with all the stuff happening around the world, you know, I just have this little thing here, and God's probably focused on other stuff. Maybe we don't pray a little bit more because we doubt the effectiveness of prayer? (laughs) Or maybe we actually prefer to worry. You know, Scripture tells us, don't worry, instead pray. But I think some of us really like to worry. Like, I want to hang on to that. I want to worry. That makes me feel good for whatever reason. I prefer that instead of praying. Or maybe I don't pray a little bit more because I just don't care. Or I am angry with God because, fill in the blank, Or maybe I don't pray because I have a lack of confidence in God and his ability to see me and hear me, and I doubt that he's going to help in any significant way. 
That's the list. And there's probably more things that we could add to this list of why we don't take advantage of this incredible tool that puts us into the presence of God himself. There's more things we can add. And then we read things like this. Here's a quote from an author and theologian who says, For Christians, prayer is like breathing. You don't have to think to breathe because the atmosphere exerts pressure on your lungs and forces you to breathe. Similarly, when you're born into the family of God, you enter into a spiritual atmosphere wherein God's presence and grace exert pressure or influence on your life. Prayer is the normal response to that pressure. As believers, we have all entered the divine atmosphere to breathe the air of prayer. Only then can we survive in the darkness of the world. Well, that sounds great too, doesn't it? And I think you read that and you would come to the conclusion, yes, I should be praying all of the time. If I've entered into a loving friendship with God, if I've embraced his leadership and forgiveness, there's this pressure on me to respond to that forgiveness and the grace that God offers, and I should be praying constantly so I can survive everything that's happening around me. I should be praying all the time. But I don't. I don't. And maybe you don't either. Maybe you feel the same way. And I want to acknowledge that tension in the room. It exists. And that all results in praying less, which means we will have blah faith. That's going to happen if we pray less, which is not what we want and not what we desire. Because following Christ is an adventure. There's beauty, joy, and danger there. And we want to have that kind of faith. So I want to give the rest of my time to building a case for prayer. And why should we pray? I want to build a case for prayer that moves beyond obligation. All right? So I don't want people feeling guilty today. Like, oh, I'm guilted into praying. And yeah, I should do it more. I understand that. I get that. My mom wants me to pray more. My grandmother, yes, I'm obligated to pray. I want to build a case for why you should pray that moves us beyond guilt and obligation. Does that make sense? All right, are you with me? Here's three reasons why we should pray. Please write this down. Number one, Jesus prayed. Jesus himself prayed, and this is probably the only reason we actually need for building a case of why we should pray. Think about it for just a moment. That's a significant thought. Jesus himself prayed. Jesus, while he was here on earth, God with flesh on. And yet, when you walk through the Gospels, and you dive into the life of Jesus and what he said and what he did, one of the things you discover is that he, God, he's God with flesh on, gave an inordinate amount of time to praying. He prayed in secret. He prayed in times of spiritual conflict. He prayed on the cross when he was bearing the burden of our sins and paying the price for our mistakes And our mess-ups, he prayed on the cross. Jesus prayed for guidance. We find Jesus constantly praying. And often we say this. Well, we need to be doing what Jesus did. Let's act like Jesus. Right? We say that. 
And that's a great thought and something we should be doing. Well, if that's the case, one of the things that Jesus did quite a bit is he prayed. And if Jesus prayed quite a bit, then we should probably be doing the same thing. So why pray? Let's build the case for this that moves us beyond guilt. Let's just pray because Jesus himself prayed. If it was important to him, it really should be very important to us. Jesus prayed. Number two, the church was birthed in prayer. This, the church, what we're doing now, was actually birthed in prayer. The book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. It's a history book that details for us the beginnings of the church. And what we find there is it was birthed in prayer, and prayer actually became the narrative that helped the early church walk through growth and conflict. And that happened over and over again for them. Growth, more conflict. Growth, more conflict. And they strategized, and they put plans together. One of the things that seemed to ride above all of that, though, is they gave a great amount of their time to prayer, the church, this. What we're doing right now is birthed in prayer. We have to remember that. Thirdly, here's what prayer does. Mark this down. Prayer keeps me humble. It keeps me humble, and that's always a good thing. I think sometimes as followers of Christ, we run the danger of behaving like practical humanists. Meaning, we live as if God is not needed. That's what a humanist would do. They might acknowledge that there is a God, but I'm going to live as if he is not needed because I'm confident in me and who I am and what I have and perhaps what I have accomplished. And I think sometimes as followers of Christ, we'd say, I believe in God, yes, I love Jesus, but I'm awfully confident in me. Well, what prayer does is it takes our confidence, whatever that might look like, maybe you have a lot of confidence, maybe you have none, but if you have a lot, here's what prayer does, and this is why we should pray. It takes that confidence and it transfers it to God where it appropriately belongs And so, if anything, we should be praying because it keeps me humble and low before God and saying, all right, I'm giving this all to you and I will trust, not in me. I won't act as if God isn't needed. Even if life is great and wonderful, I'm going to continually give everything to God and trust in him. So prayer is this thing that keeps us humble. And that's why I think Paul, the writer of the text, said to the church, in Colossae, and he's saying here to Valley Point Church, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Let me give you three takeaways. All right, number one, here we go. Make time and get away from distractions. If we're going to pray a little bit more and move away from blah faith, you got to make time and get away from distractions. Listen, I want everybody to look up here for just a moment. We make time for things that matter. But we just do. If something is important and valuable, 
We will stop doing a lot of other things. And we may act in crazy, ridiculous ways that don't always make sense to other people who are observing from the outside. But we'll do that because it's valuable and important to us. I think we've made the case that prayer is incredibly valuable. Right? Jesus prayed. The early church was birthed in prayer. And prayer keeps me humble. Those are the only reasons we need to engage in this a little bit more. So it's important... We make time for important things. I would say prayer trumps most stuff that we do. So here's what I'm thinking about right now as I give this challenge. I'm trying to think of what needs to go away in my life and in my schedule and on my calendar so that I can take a step and get a little bit better with you in praying more because I don't want to have blah faith. We can't afford blah faith. It's not what Christ wants. So make time. Make time. You can do it. Secondly, as you pray, give God glory. I want to go back to the Lord's Prayer, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Do you remember how it starts? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, separate, special, unique, Hallowed is your name. And again, tucked within the Lord's Prayer is this model. When we step into his presence, we're going to make time. We're going to arrange our schedules so we can do this important thing. And now let's just step into the presence of the Almighty. And let's begin this way. Let's give him glory and credit and tell God that he is worth it. Let's respond to his greatness. That's what worship is. That's how you can define it. And so let's begin our conversations with him by saying, God, you are incredible and worth it and so filled with love and grace to me. So this morning on my drive over to the school here, I knew what I was going to be talking about and I was going to be giving this challenge and I know this is a growth area for me, so... Often I'll have music on in the car because I like listening to music. And so driving over on Sunday morning, it's a big day. Get a nice song going, get you all pumped up. But this morning, I knew we were talking about prayer. And so I'm like, okay, on the drive over to the school, no music. And I'll take that five minutes. It's not long. But I'll offer up a little more of a prayer time to God. And so in the car on the way over here, I had a wonderful time knowing I'm talking about as we step into the presence of the Almighty, let's give him glory. So I just had this sweet time in five minutes saying, God, I am incredibly grateful that you have done something for me that I never could have done on my own. And you have extended a gift of salvation to me. I've trusted in the work of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for giving that to me. And boy, it set a great tone for my morning. And I want to challenge all of us as we pray. Let's not just rush in and God, I need and God, I want and God, here's this and bail me out and do all of this. We're going to get to that in a second because I think God wants to hear that from us too. That's okay. I don't want to minimize that. But how valuable is it for us to say, okay, I'm stepping into the presence of the Almighty, hallowed, special, unique, set apart. Let's give glory to God. And then thirdly, tell God what you need. He invites us to do that. 
the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. These are our daily needs. And so God's okay with us telling him what we need. I would encourage you, as you do that, be very specific. Be very specific because God can handle that. Make time. Make time. It's important. Give God glory and then tell God what you need. Now, at the close of chapter 4, Paul gives us some words here. He talks about somebody who's getting this right. His name is Epaphras. Verse 12, he's a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus. He sends you his greetings. Now get this. He always prays earnestly for you. Wow. Asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you. And also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis, two other cities. So get this, Epaphras, he's always praying earnestly. I mean, not just praying a little bit, but earnestly praying? And he prays hard? All that under Colossians 4 to devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Here's a guy, Epaphras, who's getting it right. He's always praying and he's praying hard. What if that were said of you? What if that were said of you? Wow, she always prays earnestly. Or he is praying hard. I know it. What if this were said of us as a church? Wow, that Valley Point Church, they are just praying earnestly. And they're praying hard. That marks them. That identifies them. What if that were said of you as an individual? And what if that were said of us as a church? Here's what would happen. That would change everything. Everything. And guess what? Our faith would not be blah. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.